Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. The last verse of the song we sang together, the last song um, we sang together to the church's one foundation, said... Uh, Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, she awaits the consummation of peace forevermore. We live in the era of the church that is marked by tumult, tribulation, war. And we look forward to a day of peace forevermore. Think of all the things um, that, that, are, that seem to attack believers and attack um, everything that we hold near and dear. We think today of all days, we're here on September 11th, 15 years after the uh, attacks on the Twin Towers in, in uh, New York City. That was an a, attack on our nation, yet it was a religiously motivated attack as well. And since that time, we have seen believers from Egypt and other places that have been beheaded, and videos of that have been placed upon our TV screens, and we have seen and we have grieved with the way that the church has been attacked And we think, oh, it's getting bad. It's getting bad, isn't it? And we see the the legal cases in our country. We see florists and bakers and others who were taken to court and fined and all kinds of penalties because they would stand for their Christian beliefs. And then we would see Pharmacists that are also um, challenged because their their religious liberty is uh, being um, th- their rights of conscience are being attacked. They they want to have the right not to dispense certain medications that would violate their conscience, and yet the courts have said that they cannot withhold. And so we find ourselves in a world that seems like we are attacked on every side. We are, as Paul says, oppressed, yet we are not crushed. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. Jesus' words here today are a comfort for us in a world that seems like it has gone mad. We'll look at Jesus and how Peter confesses that he is the Christ, but what I want to really focus on is how Jesus responds to that and the things that he says to Peter. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, 
He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would encourage us, us, encourage us by it this morning. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and hearts to perceive and understand and obey what your word has to say. Lord, calm us, calm our fears as we look into the world and see all the things that scare us. Lord, we pray that you would calm us by this word from you today. And Father, I pray that you would be with me, a wretch, a sinner, how I need your grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus comes to this city, Caesarea Philippi, a a city that is named after Caesar, a government that could be very oppressive. And he asks his disciples, who people say that the Son of Man is? And that word, that term, Son of Man, that that was one of his favorite terms that he used to refer to himself comes from Daniel chapter 7, when Jesus says the Son of Man, and he was referring to himself, he points back to to Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel has this vision of of a human being, a Son of Man sitting on a throne, and God gives a kingdom to this Son of Man. So the fact that Jesus was was calling himself the Son of Man has huge implications. Jesus, in using that title, he shows that he is expecting that he will be given the kingdoms of all the earth. And he asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And he, they give different answers. They give different uh, answers like some say John the Baptist. Well, who would say that? We've already seen that Herod thought that J- Jesus may have been John the Baptist come back from the dead because he feared John. 
And others may have thought he was John the Baptist come back from the dead. Others say Elijah. At the end of the book of Malachi, there was a promise that at the day of the Lord would come a prophet like Elijah. And even today, the Jews, as they um, celebrate the Passover, they have, have a, a saying that they're, they're looking for Elijah to come. Elijah, the prophet that was on Mount Carmel, as the children had in Sunday school today, but he was taken up. He didn't die, but he was taken up in a chariot to glory. One of two people in the Old Testament who never died, and the people were expecting Elijah would come. Jesus tells us that this one who would come that would be like Elijah was John the Baptist himself. Yet there were some who said that Jesus was this Elijah. And the disciples thought, well, maybe Jeremiah or some other of the prophets. Jesus was not just another prophet. He wasn't just a man who was coming to declare God's word. But he was the word of God made flesh. As John chapter 1 tells us. Jesus, again, after all of these answers, he says, Who do you say that I am? He changes it again. Leaving no doubt, he's not talking about some other person that is the Son of Man, but he turns it and he says, Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, You are the Christ, Peter says. And he doesn't leave that there. You are the Son of the living God, Peter says. How astounding Peter's confession was. We look back on that and we think, of course, of course. It's easy for us to look back on 2,000 years, but Jesus had been with these men and they saw His humanness. They saw His flesh and blood. Peter says, you are the Christ. What does that term signify? The term Christ is the the uh, Greek equivalent of the Old Testament word Messiah. So when Jesus asked Peter and Peter responded, you are the Christ, he was saying, you are the Messiah, you are the one who we have been expecting, the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the son of David, who would sit on a throne forever. That was what Peter was claiming. He recognized that Jesus was the very one who had been promised for thousands of years. And he didn't only say that, but he said, you are the Son of God. 
We can kind of see how Peter would get that Jesus was the promised one, the Messiah. But Peter was speaking beyond what he could see from all the signs, from all the prophets and how they pointed forward to some who would, someone who would heal the sick and heal the blind and do all these kinds of miracles and preach the gospel to the poor. Like Isaiah said, Peter said that Jesus was the Son of God. The God-man. The Word made flesh who dwelt among us. Jesus then responds to Peter, Blessed are you, he says. Happy are you. He's receiving a blessing. Happy are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. He's the son of a man named Jonah. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. What Peter was confessing, that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Son of the living God, was not something that he could observe by his eyes. It's not something that he could have observed by walking with Jesus for three years. But what was revealed to Peter, what Peter was confessing at that moment, had to be revealed by the Father. His eyes had to be opened. And so it is with us. We can say the words by rote memory that we learn in Sunday school as children. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. But if all it is is just parroting what we've heard, it means nothing. We have to be born again. We have to have our eyes opened and we have to have it revealed to us by the Father Himself. It is not enough to give intellectual assent to just say certain things, to say, I believe this or that, but we have to be converted We have to have our eyes open. The scales fall off. The Lord Himself, God the Father, reveals to us who Jesus is. That He is that One that was expected to come and crush the serpent's head. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then Jesus says to Peter, or to, to Simon, You are Peter. How strange this is. We know it. We're looking back and thinking, well, yeah, Simon went by Peter as well. We know him by Peter. But this, Simon did not go by Peter before this day. 
Simon makes this confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And all of a sudden, Jesus gives him a new name. You are Peter. Peter is a word that means rock. Petros. And Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. This is a phrase, this is a sentence here in the Gospel of Matthew that has been misunderstood and misapplied throughout the ages. The Roman Catholic Church uses this as the justification for the papacy. They believe that that here Jesus was making Peter the first pope, that he was the... the, uh, the foundation of this early church and that there was a direct line of succession from Peter on through the ages, through all the popes, until now we have Francis. That is the Roman Catholic view of this this verse. And then others, Protestants, have reacted against that and said Jesus was, was saying... You are Peter. And then he turns and says, and upon this rock, and he points to himself and says, I will build my church. What I've read, it's unlikely if it hadn't been for the abuse of the Roman Catholic Church's view and trying to justify the Pope, that anybody would have taken this as anything other than saying that Peter was the rock that he was saying. So what does he mean? I think Peter, he was saying Peter was the first to make this confession. And it was on, it was on that first disciple that, a, that the whole church through all the ages was built upon. Not that it's creating some kind of new office for the church, but he was the first one to get it, to get who Jesus really was. And all the disciples thereafter, and all those who were witnesses of the resurrection in the early church, like the day of Pentecost when thousands and thousands were saved, And all of us after that, we come to Christ with the same faith that Peter had. Saying, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. We come to Jesus and we become a part of the church by making that same confession that Peter made And then Jesus says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to dwell here for a minute. Who builds the church? 
Who builds the church? Well, we can look around and we can think practically, just in terms of pragmatism. Well, we do, don't we? We send our missionaries and they go and they proclaim the gospel and and we do a lot of work. We do our evangelism and we spread the message and we gather all these people together. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says He builds His church. That should give us confidence. I will build my church, Jesus says. He does it. He does it through our preaching. He does it through our witnessing. He does it through all of our work. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't go as missionaries. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do those things. But ultimately, we, all of our works, all of our labors, they just aren't enough. And they can't do it on their own. We have to know that Jesus is building His church. And then He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is the most horrible possible example of something that would oppose the church of Jesus Christ but hell itself? And though hell may seem to try to advance on us, as it did on the early church, as Nero persecuted the early Christians and lit them up on poles and used them to light the streets, and as early Baptists were held underwater because they wouldn't recant, said, we'll baptize you. And they suffered for the glory of Christ. And as we today, around the world, Christians are persecuted, beheaded, and all kinds of different things. And here in the United States, we have challenges against our religious liberty and other things. But we must be reminded that Jesus Christ will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How much confidence does that give us? It can look bad, miss toil and tribulation and tumult of our war. We know the end. We know the end. Jesus wins and the church prevails. It looks bad. And it is pretty bad. But we know how it ends. We may face legal suits. We may have the law come and tell us, Woburn Baptist Church, that we have to have a certain restroom policy that we believe we cannot comply with and be faithful to Jesus Christ. And the government comes down with the sword and tries to crush us. And that is possible within our lifetimes. 
but the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ that he builds. Verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What I believe this means is not that we have some kind of a power to say, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, anything like that. No. But Jesus here is giving Peter and giving us confidence that what we do matters. When we go, when we share the gospel with people and they believe what we have bound on earth, it will be reflected in heaven. When we share the gospel with our neighbor, with our friend, with our family member, and they believe what has happened here on earth is reflected in heaven in glory and it will have eternal consequences. And then probably the most troubling, most unsettling part of this text. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What? Why would Jesus tell his disciples not to tell anybody who he was? Well, there is a difference between where the disciples stood and where we stand. The disciples stood there before the cross. Jesus had not yet walked the road up to Golgotha and been nailed to that cross. He was coming to die, to be led as a lamb to the slaughter. And if the disciples at that time had made it known that He was the Christ, it could have been a threat to His mission. So He strictly told them, do not tell anyone what you have just said that is true. Yet, there came a time. After the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. He told them to go on the day of Pentecost, to go to this upper room in Jerusalem, to stay in Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and empowered those early believers to go out and proclaim this very message that Peter here confessed that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter preached a sermon there on that day of Pentecost. And what did he do? But he pointed back to the Old Testament story of the seed of Abraham, the son of David. You look at Acts chapter 2 at Peter's sermon, and it's that very same confession, only blown up, expanded on, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And people cried out, what must we do to be 
saved. And Peter said, repent and believe the gospel. And then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus Christ is building His church. Things look bad in our day today. Things look very discouraging sometimes. When you watch the news, when you think about the things that are going on, if you read the magazines and wherever you get your news, things look pretty sad for Christians these days. But we can be optimists. Maybe not for the next year, two, four, eight. But we can be optimists in the long run. The next ten million years. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.